It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 10th, 2020. My name is Phil Prosperich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about kind of where Things stand a little bit as far as coming back to the NBA. Some uh, some news around Central Florida that I feel is worth noting and worth discussing a little bit. We'll hear from the Hollinger and Duncan uh, NBA show uh, on their thoughts of the of the NBA's return to play, and then we'll close out today's episode by discussing why it's still important that the Magic play uh, the rest of the season and what they can still gain from the rest of the year. So we'll have plenty to talk about here. Coming up on today's episode. Before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. They're searching for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's podcasts here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Washington Wizards or Brooklyn Nets, two teams that the Magic will care very much about here in the next couple months? Check out Locked On Wizards and Locked On Nets. You can also find podcasts for the NFL, MLB, NHL, and college teams too, plus every single NBA team. Download them wherever you download podcasts today. Search for Locked On in the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So let's just rip off the Band-Aid. The news in Orange County, which is where Orlando is located, is the most populous county. So, yes, I, I realize that, that Disney kind of straddles the line between Orange and Osceola County. Uh, and Osceola County is not seeing the same things that I'm going to describe here for Orange County. But let's start with Orange County. Over the last few days, Orange County has seen a spike in confirmed positive tests of the coronavirus of COVID-19. On top of that, some news in the sports world here in Orlando Three UCF players who had returned to campus to train tested positive for COVID-19. We'll get to that in just a moment. But this is all to suggest and all to say that cases within Central Florida, or within Orange County at least, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but according to the Florida Department of Health's data, cases in Orange County are slightly ticking up. And, of course, with the NBA about to to make its way down here, that is a little bit concerning. The the raw numbers are not super impressive or not super, super, you know, important. I mean, you still got Palm Beach County with over 200 confirmed positive tests every day. You still got 
you know, uh, Miami-Dade County is still up around 240 as well. Central Florida is not facing kind of the same crisis that South Florida is facing. With, with Orlando, we're talking, you know, 58 new cases on, on, Sunday, on Saturday, 55 new cases on Sunday, 78 new cases on Monday, according to the Florida Department of Health's information. So again, these are big numbers because, you know, we were talking, you know, around the time that the Disney idea really started picking up, we were talking about there being less than a dozen new cases, less than 10 new cases reported in the county. So we've seen a fairly significant spike in new cases. That, of course, was somewhat expected. With the state entering phase two of its reopening plan, with the city continuing to allow more, or with the state especially, continuing to allow more uh, places, more businesses to be open with, yes, I don't think we can ignore this, Universal Studios Florida, as well as other smaller attractions uh, opening up as well. Uh, it was expected to see a little bit of a spike in new cases. So the fact that there are new cases is not a cause for alarm in and of itself, but only in so much as now we've got to figure out how to get this back under control. And of course, it's good that people are getting tested, that people are still discovering discovering new ca- new cases so we can do contact tracing and, and all and and hopefully and all that stuff to, to kind of slow the outbreak once again. I mean, every time you enter a new phase of the reopening plan, you have to kind of start over from scratch because obviously more exposure to people is going to bring more potential for the virus to spread. That's just the reality, and, and that's that's just kind of what we're going to be living with. This, this, it, 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 this is going to be a specter over everything that we do for the foreseeable future. And it's most important to note, too, here, that be, even though there is now a rise in cases, a moderate rise, you know, a, a you know, percent increase, very significant rise, but compared to other areas of the country, compared to other areas of the state, not a huge rise. And, and you know, there's, you know, perhaps some, there, there's some suggestion that there's been some political fudging, but I'm not going to get into that here today. We are seeing a little bit of a rise, but it has not at least to this point, touch the ability or access to testing. The testing sites that are still open around Orange County are still open, and and frankly, people that you know are eligible to get tests that want to test are, to my understanding, to my knowledge, able to get a test. And so, with the NBA preparing to move into Disney at the end of July, a plenty of time for the state to get itself back under wraps, or especially Orange County to get itself back under wraps. And, and I, you know, I'm. You know, per my personal opinion, I think Orange County has done a very good job. And, and so, you know, the spike is concerning, but I'm, I'm confident that they will be able to get, get, their, get things under wraps once again and, and, and get back, you know, kind of on a downward trend of, of the curve, so to speak. But as far as, as far as I know, testing is still readily available, and, and that will not affect the NBA's ability to test players as often as they need to. And identify new cases as they come up. Remember, before the NBA even sets foot at Disney, they're going to test everyone. And, and from what I understand, part of the initial a part of the agreement that, that appears to be coming up on the table here, they're going to keep everyone sort of isolated for at least a couple days until those initial tests come back. So one thing the NBA does not want is someone infecting the bubble. And if they do, 
it's going to be quarantined for probably 10 to 14 days with a te- with a positive test needed to come out. Probably two positive tests needed to come out after the quarantine period. And yeah, NBA teams are a little worried about the potential of a star player getting sick and being out for two weeks, and that's essentially a whole playoff series. And that's where this UCF story comes in. Last Monday, June 1st, UCF uh, had 60 football players specifically come back to their campus, come back to campus, and begin individual workouts. They said that they would, you know, practice, you know, deep cleaning methods. They would do all the bells and whistles to make sure players, you know, kept social distancing, make sure players were, you know, truly individual, make sure equipment was cleaned properly so that if someone did get sick, it would not spread. Well, Monday or Tuesday, we find out that three players did get sick. Three players did contract the virus. How they contracted it uh, is, is unclear. Probably, out, you know, it was most likely outside the facility. But what UCF's doctor said is identifying that these three individuals, you know, they were, their names were not released, that these three, identifying these three individuals is proof that the system works, that the protocols that they had put in place work, that they were able to quickly identify uh, someone who had contracted the virus and isolate them from everyone else to prevent further spread. Those UCF players, as, as, as UCF's press release said, uh, will be in isolation for 14 days. Uh, will be in quarantine for 14 days. They'll be provided for, of course, by the university, uh, including contactless meals. Uh, and then once the quarantine is up, they will be tested again. They will not be able to go back into the facility until they are tested once again. So, this is all to say, you know, and, and of course, we hope that there's a speedy recovery. We hope that, frankly, I hope they're asymptomatic. That, you know, they have the disease and it's not affecting them and they just have to kind of let it run its course and, and wait till it dies off, essentially. This is all to say that, you know, this specter of the coronavirus is not going away. That while there are protocols in place to identify after someone's sick and, and protocols in place to prevent infection in the bubble, so to speak. And then maybe UCF isn't a, a strict bubble like the NBA is going to be going to be having at, at Disney. The bottom line is this virus might find its way in nonetheless. In fact, I think something that uh, University of Florida said, because UCF is not the only school that's dealing with players that have contracted the virus on their campus. Um, Florida State, I think, reported some players... Alabama's reported players, Auburn's reported players. It, it is not just kind of a UCF thing. This is going to be the reality everywhere. In fact, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me one bit if an NBA player has contracted the coronavirus and it hasn't gone public or has done so since practice facilities opened up. The NBA has tried to keep all that very, very quiet after facing some public backlash early on in March when players were getting tested and positives were coming or were leaking to the media. And, and, and I agree that was unfair of them to do this. So I think the NBA has tried to do a very good job keeping a lid on things. But, but this is not to say there's some great conspiracy. I, this is to say the reality is even if the NBA is able to successfully sequester itself, test everyone before they get into 
their resort at Disney and confirm as best they can that everyone is negative, that, that, that they are in a clean environment. The reality might very well be that someone at Disney is going to contract the virus. Somehow, some way, it's going to happen. It, it honestly, it honestly feels inevitable that it's going to happen. And so while the NBA is doing its best to put in protocols to prevent the entrance of the disease, they are probably also more focused or as focused on protocols to prevent further spread of the disease. Sports by its very nature is dangerous, you know, when it comes to the coronavirus. Because you're in close physical contact with people, you're sweating, you're breathing on each other. You can't play sports, or a team sport like basketball at least, without the kind of physical contact that the coronavirus thrives on. And that's why sports obviously had to be one of the last things to come back. And sports is, you know, was very uncomfortable to watch early on when we were still kind of getting a, a handle on things and, and understanding how this virus spreads. Just like when we were talking about the competition style, this is a balance the league has to strike. This is a very difficult, and this, this balance is much more difficult. I don't have a grasp on how difficult this balance is. I, I'm sure the league and the players are trying to learn as much as they can as they try to understand this balance. But this is a balance between how do we play safely while also ensuring that our players are healthy and safe, that they can play safely? How do we finish this season and keep our players healthy and safe from this virus? And obviously, I think what happened at UCF proves that that there is no silver bullet. That it only takes one slip up or it only takes one little thing for the virus to enter into you know, the, the zone or enter into, into the community. And I think that's just the reality of it. No one, you know, as much as we would like to say the NBA needs to be 100% certain that the virus is not in there, that feels impossible. That feels impossible. And that's sort of the thing the NBA is wrestling with right now. And so, like I said in our last episode, you know how you know we're not out of the woods here yet. The NBA season is not officially back because this negotiation between how the players are going to get tested, how often they're going to get tested, and how the league plans to keep them safe should the virus and probably if and when the virus enters the bubble, how they're going to keep them safe and prevent further spread. That's going to be the big question. That is going to be the most important thing the players and the league come to an agreement about right now or come to an agreement about before we get to Disney. The cases in Orange County going up is concerning. It's concerning to me as an Orange County citizen, but it is not unexpected. In fact, I believe the University of Florida's athletic department said they know it's not a matter of if, but when one of their players gets, gets sick. Even with all the safety protocols in place. And so right now, the job is get the virus back under control so we can limit the spread to the general population, not just to the NBA population, to the general population. And then for the NBA, it's make sure 
all the safety protocols are in place and vetted and ready to go. That's the reality of what we're facing right now. And I hate I, I hate being the bearer of bad news. I hate bursting everyone's bubble, but it is impossible for us to get back to Disney, get back to playing these games without this acknowledgement that this is still a reality, that this thing is not fixed, this thing is not solved, this thing is not under not completely under control. It's, it's fairly under control. But it is not something that you can just bottle up and push to the side. This is the specter over everything that's left in this league right now. And it's going to be the big storyline for the rest of the season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Most of us are still, though, trying to get a little bit of a workout in, even if we can't get into our gyms quite yet. Some gyms are open, but I'm still not quite ready to, to go, go to a gym yet. I try to run around Lickiola when I can, not as often as I'd like, but whenever I do, you know, I feel like I always need that extra energy boost, and that's why um, I turn to, to Built Bar. Built Bar is the great-tasting protein bar that comes in 16 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy healthy for you, the perfect snack for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Keeps you regular. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. As I said, there are still a lot of issues to resolve when it comes to figuring out what comes next with the NBA and with testing. And and this is, like I said, the central issue that the NBA faces as they uh, as they get ready to resume the season. Um, you know, honestly, the schedule, the comp, the competition format, that stuff is easy compared to this stuff because this stuff, you know, the testing stuff is going to be constantly evolving and. Frankly, you know, I have, I've read a little bit, you know, I'm obviously keeping track of what the NBA is doing and what the NBA's plans are, but I honestly don't have all the information or don't have all the know-how and and honestly don't know all the negotiations that are going into, uh, into figuring this stuff out. Well, we do have a podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network that at least can provide a little bit of insight in that. On a recent episode of the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show, John Hollinger, former executive with the Memphis Grizzlies, as well as Nate Duncan, who on his podcast, Dunked On, Dunked on Basketball, uh, has done a really good job breaking down, da- really almost daily, um, the latest updates with coronavirus. He's done a lot of great interviews, kind of trying to explain what's going on and, and what the health implications are. They did talk a lot on a recent episode of their podcast, the, Ho- the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show about what comes next for the NBA, and I wanted to make sure that I shared that with you. My biggest 
concern as I was watching events unfold was that the league was spending so much time on fiddling with these different playoff formats that I felt like it was taking their attention away from the massive logistical challenge they face in actually putting together the rest of the season on the fly in a different location while dealing with this completely new set of circumstances created by COVID-19 and making sure that nothing that happens with that torpedoes the season, which would have massive financial implications for the league. Now, on on one hand, you hope that the financial worst case scenario is bad enough that they've indeed taken this seriously. But the the worry, and I wrote this in my column in, in The Athletic, is they talked about it's about the data, not the date. And then at the end, we kind of ended up with a, with a date and we'll work back and get some data, I guess. Well, I think what it really became was, number one, they felt like there was enough testing capacity and enough political cover that they could just test everyone every day. Uh, because I think I think when they originally made that statement, they're hoping that whatever countermeasures were made got the level of transmission low enough in the community that you could just at least have a no-fans situation and players could operate somewhat normally within their community and they weren't at risk of getting the virus. Clearly, that is not the case with the amount of transmission that we have. And so they had to really audible and come up with a plan that would work regardless of how much community transmission there was, essentially. And so I think when they made that statement that the nature of the plan had to and did change. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, they're still figuring some of this out in part because it's a complex negotiation, both with the owners and with the Players Association over how many teams do you bring back? How much money are you trying to make up? How many games do you play? Uh, Even just the rules on going in and out of this quote-unquote bubble environment in Orlando, all that has to be negotiated with the Players Association because the the collective bargaining agreement has essentially been, it still exists, but it's kind of been torpedoed at this point or at least least heavily sidelined. They kind of have to negotiate a a lot of this stuff anew. Yeah, there's nothing in the CBA about, uh, oh yeah, you can only have uh, three family members with you They're, they have to uh yeah the, the slightly new circumstances uh, for yeah. for clauses like that uh you know i think in terms of what we know now and supposedly this week there are going to be a lot more details forthcoming on what the actual safety procedures and the procedures if someone tests positive etc are going to be i think they did a reasonable job i mean the fact that they're going to test everyone every day i mean that to me was the number one thing that, that they just had so that do. once that came out i felt better i th- I felt better about what they were doing once that came out and once it became clear that the players weren't going to be able to leave uh, the bubble and just like go out to a bar and then come back. Now, there's... And I think also, I, I applaud them if, in fact, this is what ends up happening. This report's indicated that you're not going to have family members joining until the last two rounds of the playoffs when you've got a much smaller group of people. And then exactly. even then, it's only going to be three family members. I mean, that was, that I'm sure was very difficult to get done. And I think, like, there, I laud the players and uh, the league and the teams, all of them, for 
taking this seriously. I mean, I, I think, you know, we'll see, obviously, we've seen this in many other businesses where, okay, you have these procedures and they look good on paper, but uh, can you actually implement them? But it does seem like they are putting everything in place that they can. I mean, if you're, if you're going to say that, hey, we are going to do this, I'm not sure what else they realistically could do other than just not having any families for the entire time. Yeah. But I'm not sure what else they realistically could do to make this much safer within the parameters of a 22 team. Exactly. Exactly. The way to make it safe, safer than the way they've done it would be because I think they've already pared down the the team parties to about as low as they can go. They're going to leave the two way players at home, which I think is the right move. We can talk about that in a little bit. The, the only thing they really could have done is pared down the number of teams. Like, I still think there's no reason at all for the Wizards and Suns to be there, but... Oh, the Blazers agree with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go, yeah it's go. interesting, though, the Blazers not in favor of a 17 team. Uh, <laughs> right. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for, thought, for those who don't know, by the way, the Blazers voted were the one team that voted no to this format, thinking that they could have done something more imaginative with a 20-team group. Maybe that would have been the uh, the group stage thing for the first round, but uh, that that ostensibly is why they voted no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so for me, the one thing I thought maybe they should have done, again, to minimize the overall risk to the, to the entire thing, is to bring back 16 teams and try to get it down to eight as quickly as possible. Possible. And I know some people in the league were were in favor of this as well, and not necessarily just teams that would have been self-interested by this particular setup, but that that it, it was the way to to minimize the risks to the overall pie because because you can get down to eight much more quickly, and then when you go from 22 to eight, you and if, if there's if you're talking about people interacting, especially it's it's almost an exponential function then of how much you minimize the the risk of a real contagion that that jeopardizes the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you were going to have any sort of a regular season that I understand why they brought more teams in, number one, just to, to make a little more money, and number two, just to make the regular season feel like it, like it is something. You know, I, I think that was something that was difficult to do. If you were going to have 16 teams, you don't want to go directly into the playoffs. And so yeah. you just to say, oh, well, we're going to play these games, but it's just proceeding within these eight teams already. Now, you know, a team like uh, Milwaukee, he probably has absolutely nothing to play for at all. I mean, they still kind of have nothing to play for, but uh, the the rest of the teams at the bottom trying to get in, it's it seems like they're at least made this regular season mean something, especially with the playoff game of getting within, uh, if you get within four games, you get to have the, the play-in. Be sure to listen to the rest of that podcast on the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show, one of the great podcasts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. They go into a little bit more detail about what the other lingering issues about the NBA, uh, NBA's return to play style will be. Uh, there they talked a little bit about testing and some of the logistics of, of kind of setting everything up at the campus site uh, and some of the other, other ancillary issues. They get into later on in the podcast about roster size, about what to do with the team's that did not make the playoffs, those eight teams that uh, are, are going to be sitting around until essentially December, uh, and, and what the league should do about them to make sure that they don't fall too far behind. Check out the Hollinger Duncan NBA show wherever you download podcasts today. But first, I want, but before we dive back into the Orlando Magic, I just want to tell you a little bit about Rock Auto. You know, I am not the biggest car person. I've tried car shopping uh, for, for parts that, that I might need or for things that I might need to try and fix the car myself. And, you know, it is a maze and it is confusing and it, it, and I easily got lost. 
And if I get lost, how am I going to know that I'm paying the right price or that I'm getting the right part that I need? Rock Auto is, you know, the greatest place to go if you know how to fix your car because they are the one-stop shop for everything your car would ever need. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Go to rockauto.com and you can find all those parts at the best prices. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com also always offers the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login information. It is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know who sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, like I said, there's still issues to, to resolve here before the NBA officially comes back. There's, there's, there's no denying it. There's no getting around it. We're really close. We're really, really, really close. But we're not there yet. But I have every confidence, despite everything that I've said in my last two episodes, I have every confidence the NBA will be back probably in late July. And we will see the conclusion of the season. You know, we spent a lot of time here on this show talking about what's left for the Magic to do. Um, Obviously, with all the different playing formats, there was a lot of you know, kind of discussion of like, okay, what? how do you respect the regular season while also, you know, creating incentive to play in, in the campus in the campus setting in, in, at Disney? And these are all fair, these were all fair questions to ask. But when you really get down to it, when you really get down to it, a lot of the same questions that we want to ask are the same questions that we ask at all points of the year. If you're a team like the Orlando Magic at 30 and 35, fighting for the 7th and 8th seed, 
What are you really getting out of this? Especially, you know, kind of on the macro level, being a 7 or 8 seed is not the end goal. I've sat here on this show and told you that no matter what happens the rest of the season, Jeff Weltman and the Magic need to know what their plan is going to be this offseason. There is very little and essentially nothing in my mind that will change what this team needs to do in the offseason. How this team needs to take its next steps and the kind of moves and thought processes the team needs to go through if it wants to get out of being the 7 or 8 seed for the foreseeable future. Because while I don't think this is the worst place to be in the league, it's certainly the second worst place to be in the league. Making the playoffs is great, but being a 7 or 8 seed perpetually is not a good thing. But I would still argue the Magic still have so much to play for. They still have so much to gain from the rest of the season. It's a point that I've been trying to drive home, if not all season, and certainly in the last few months as we look ahead to this to this campus setting. To me, young teams need the playoffs. They need to experience winning. They need to experience disappointment. They need to understand how difficult it is to play and win a playoff series. Getting that taste, getting that understanding, experiencing that is so vital to their growth. So, at the very least, if even if the team had gone straight to the 16-team playoff, making the playoffs is worth it for this group. They may not be in the environment. It may not be the same crowd environment. But it's still important to go through the preparation. Think of it this way. Marco Fultz has never been a key player on a playoff team. He was coming off the bench, deep bench, for the Sixers his first two years. Mo Bamba missed last year's playoff run. And frankly, it's disappointing that those two young players won't get to go through a proper playoff for their first playoff experience. But both of those players, if they truly are important parts of the Magic's future, need to play playoff games. They need to understand the preparation and kind of focus it takes to be in high-stakes games. Aaron Gordon says it best. His first playoff experience was eye-opening. It taught him how different things are when the chips are really down. It is basketball at its highest level, and he continually, continuously say, says he wants to be a part of it again. Now, I'll grant you this, this part of the argument— That playoff trip last year did not inspire the team to be greater. It it just didn't work out that way. Whether it was the pieces didn't fit correctly, players weren't used correctly, injuries slowed them down. The team didn't take that next step that they needed to take this year. Maybe it's still in them, but it didn't happen this year. So, playoff experience on its own isn't meaningful. You know, I always I always tell people this. It's it's a, it's one of my favorite sports sayings. Momentum is the next day's pitcher. You know, the 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 theory of the hot hand is a, you know, there's no statistical basis for the hot hand. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there's no statistical basis for it. Basically, you make one shot does not make you statistically more likely to make the next shot. It may make you statistically more likely to take the next shot. I don't know the math on that, but the hot hand mathematically doesn't exist. But 
there's still something to that theory. Just like there's still, just like I, I believe, I believe this firmly, that the Magic would not have been able to weather and survive this season without the experience they got in last year's playoffs. The Magic are a better team, even if they aren't playing like it. Because they know how to manage a season. They know how to get to this point. They've essentially become comfortable as a 7 or 8 seed. That's not necessarily a good thing, but it is a step in the right direction, in my opinion. It is still a step forward to some extent. It may be a slight step forward. It may not be a full step forward, but it's still a step forward. My big thing when it came to resuming the season was making sure the Magic had a reason to play, that they could play their way in. And allowing Washington to sneak further into the playoff picture has given Orlando that opportunity once again. The Magic can't just show up at Disney and make the playoffs. They got to do some work. They got to pick up some wins. They've got to play well. And that's going to make them better. Whether it's better to make a playoff run, whether it's better to stand up a little bit taller in the series, whether it's better to prep them for next season. This experience, having to win pressure games, is going to be valuable information, number one, for the front office, which again, may or may not matter, but is going to be important for this team to prove its worth because, you know, despite what I think everyone's expectations were, part of the season was very much about proving they could do it again, that they weren't just a flash-in-the-pan one-time playoff team, which they are not. They got to make the playoffs again. The, the goal is still make the playoffs. Honestly, I would say the goal is to finish seventh, but the baseline goal is still make the playoffs. But the Magic have to take care of their business. They've got to play their way in. And so even though they won't be able to move up or down the standings very much, that fight for seventh, that fight to stay in the playoffs, that fight to develop and give their young team playoff experience is still valuable. Yes, it is going to be a tall order to beat the Bucks or the Raptors or the Celtics in a series. No one's expecting Orlando to win a series here. It's going to be tough for them even to get a game off those teams. The Magic have struggled mightily. They're 0-9 against those three teams combined. This is a team that has not won games against quality opponents very often. They've only got five wins against teams with records better than 500. That is the fewest of any team in the bubble. So the Magic have that to prove too that they can beat these teams, that they are good enough to compete with these teams. And that, frankly, is a lot to play for. It may not seem like much is on the line for the Magic when the season resumes on uh, in late July. But this team still has a lot it needs to get done. Whether it affects the long-term future or not, this group still has work to do. And that's why it's important that they get back to work and do it. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr__md. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Be sure to, to download... T- Tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic, we have a special episode going across the entire Lockdown Podcast Network that will be well worth your listen. So definitely 
Check out tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Be sure to download and subscribe uh, to wherever you are so you can hear that special episode. Uh, it should be a really, really good good one. Um, so I can't can't uh, can't uh, tease it enough. Can't suggest it more. Uh, so definitely, 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 definitely stay tuned on Thursday for the next episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.